Peace and Black Power family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. And today we have a special guest in the building, and her name is Kalita Harris, and she is a documentary filmmaker. Now, Kalita directed her first documentary series entitled No Address which depict the criminalization of homelessness and how communities across the country can implement proven practical solutions to address this growing epidemic, right? So we're dealing with the COVID-19 epidemic, and there are others that's dealing with homelessness. So they're dealing with two epidemics. In fact, they're dealing with three epidemics because we're not going to forget racism and white supremacy, right? That's at the top of the food chain. So how are you, my dear sister? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm okay. It's always a pleasure when I get individuals on here and we able to converse. But more so than anything, someone that's in the same field and line of work as myself, a documentary filmmaker. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that is always a blessing. Now, I want you to tell our Necessary Blackness podcast family about your documentary, No Address. And let me say this, family. This is not just a standalone documentary. This is a three-part documentary series. You have one, two, and three. So I'm going to let the sister explain it all to y'all. Well, thanks for having me on the show, first and foremost. Peace and blessings. And I want to commend you on doing your documentary series, Elementary Genocide. That is powerful. So that was even before I even fathomed doing mine. So no address. You basically explains it. It depicts the criminalization of homelessness and how communities across the country can implement proven practical solutions. So how did this come about for me? Well, I was in my office in downtown Columbia one day and I read in the newspaper that Columbia City Council wanted to do something about their homeless issue. And they had three options. And one was to leave town or go to this shelter or encampment on the outskirts of town or be subject to jail if you're caught on the streets. And I would converse with the unsheltered community all the time being downtown. And I'm just like, What if that were me? I'm an empath. So I'm like, what if that were me and I were in their shoes and I had to just disappear, basically, and I had nowhere to go. So I already have a production company. I've been in business for 15 years and I was on the marketing side, the promos, the web shows, the commercials. And I was like, well, I have all the tools, (laughs) you know, I have a camera, I know how to edit. So let me start documenting what I see around me. And it just unfolded into so much information and just diving deep where I went all the way to DC just to get with the history of it. Where did this all begin? Because it's all systemic at the end of the day, like anything else that we deal with. So just going through this journey has just basically opened my eyes to say what else is going on around the country. So I decided to make it into a series because I can't pack all that information in just an hour. So it first is Columbia, South Carolina, and the second one, which has been released already. So we are in virtual theaters right now. And um, 
two, part two is Atlanta, Georgia. So that should be coming out this year. That's the goal. And that's going to be an episodic within itself because mm. there's so much to cover in Atlanta. So that's going to be a three-part series within itself. And yeah. then the goal is to um, film in California. So I've already been there, but it's been a few years. So, so much has evolved since then. So I'll go back and focus on that when I'm finished with Atlanta. Now, you said something that really uh, piqued my interest because you didn't describe them as homeless people. You described them as the unsheltered community. And I like that. And that is a phrase that I'm going to start using as well because we don't use ex-con, ex-felon. We like to say returning citizen. See, what we have to do is we have to change the narrative because mm -hmm. there's a negative connotation between those that are unsheltered or those that are returning citizen when you label or depict them as being homelessness or being a, a criminal. Absolutely. It's being a criminal, right? Let's just talk specifically about the first documentary, South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, specifically, right? Mm -hmm. um, I want you to talk about the criminalization of that because they were saying that if you're caught on the streets that you're gonna be arrested and they were trying to send you to an uh, embankment. Tell me a little bit more about that and with COVID happening, how did that turn out for those that find, found themselves unsheltered? Well, this is pre-COVID mm -hmm. when this happened. And this took me seven years to create. <laughs> so from, yeah, 2013 till the release date. So when I say criminalization, I mean ordinances that are in place to criminalize people for quality of life behavior. Mm. So people have yeah. to go to the bathroom, right? People have to, we're human. We have to go to the bathroom. So if you're caught doing something like that, you can go, you can get a citation or go to jail. Um, resting, people have to rest. So being on a bench for too long or sleeping on a bench, you can be arrested. Sleep in your car, you can be arrested. There's so many different panhandling, you can be arrested. Even they're arresting people that are feeding the unsheltered now. So it's, it's just a whole bunch of different ordinances that I have put in place. And some have been on the books a long time, but now as Judy in my documentary says, they resurrected it <laughs> and now they're becoming a thing. And you're basically targeting the people without homes. And if you see somebody with a book bag, you're already stereotyping and saying, okay, well, I can go and harass them. So these are, these are the criminal punitive things that they're doing to human beings. Yeah. You said that dusting off the books and resurrecting old laws and that's one of their tactics you know that's straight out of uh you know racism and white supremacy's playbook and we see that happening here in, in, in georgia um with some of these laws that they're doing and um trying to suppress the vote and we definitely have to be vigilant and and, and fighting this and I know you have been on the front line doing it, whether it's in Atlanta, South Carolina, Columbia, and you and your last uh, documentary will be in, in Los Angeles, right? So when you went and you traveled, what was the common theme between all three locations? The lack of affordable housing. 
lack of affordable housing. Mm -hmm. That's the, the main thing. Is, is there anything that um, was remotely different in each uh, geographical location? Meaning? Meaning like, you know, um, I know here in Atlanta, you know, they do try to provide shelter. Um, some of the homeless will rather not go to the shelters because it's not conducive for them. But then you have some cities where it's just allowed, like in um, California when you have Skid Row. So something to that to that nature. Yeah, so that's that's the biggest thing. Skid Row is its own entity, if you will, because I've never seen anything like that where at a five block radius, you have 10,000 people sleeping on the curb. And then you have businesses usual and people are walking over people like they're invisible. Like it was just, it was hell on earth. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And for people to allow that and you're eight miles from Beverly Hills, just the dichotomy of what, what is, this is America. You know what I mean? And this is the neglect of America. And the another thing is that there's shelters everywhere, but there's not enough shelter space for the people that are unhoused. And we're not even going to get into the moratoriums that are about to be lifted in a couple of days. You know, so people that are, they may find themselves unsheltered need to know that these, that there are laws in place. If you do just your regular normal thing that you can go to jail for. And they're not aware of that. So that's why I'm trying to expose and put out there to say, to bring awareness first and let people know exactly what's going on in the backyards of America. And you don't want to be subject to any of that. Absolutely. I, I think the majority of people don't understand how powerful documentary filmmaking is. Right. You know, um, when they did the uh, Surviving R. Kelly, Right after that, he was indicted, went to jail. Mm -hmm. um, it did something, I think it was on uh, um, Epstein. You know, documentaries has a way of exposing and bringing awareness. And when the public put pressure, it does bring about change. Um, we've seen that with the Central Park Five with mm -hmm. their documentary. Mm -hmm. uh, the prosecutor lost book deals and people was called out and substantial changes was made, even with, uh, I don't want to mess his name up. I think it was Khalif Browder. Remember that, remember that documentary? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. So um, I'm definitely hoping for something of that magnitude to happen with this documentary, because this is a, a inhumane crisis that needs to be addressed. Now, most people are under the uh, perception of being homeless is individuals that are lazy, don't want to work, or that have succumbed to drugs or alcohol. Now, I, I know you probably interviewed a, a lot of people that are unsheltered. What are some of the people that surprised you that you came into contact with? Well, I did not have any judgment going no, into it. No, no, when I said surprise you, like individuals that 
they may have a, a, a good job. They may have been working. They, 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 you know, and they just fell on hard times, maybe for, for a tax lien or a divorce or something like that. Like yeah. some of them type of stories. So, yes, the stories. What really got me more was that there were so many working unsheltered people that have great jobs, but it's just not enough to get them a home. So that's just how much inflation and the separation of the wealth gap here. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So that, that surprised me more. You know, you would think more people just were just on hard times and looking for jobs, but a lot of people had jobs. And the stories I heard was from abuse to one story was his wife got cancer and just the medication that she was on just made her so irate, kicked him out and he was on the streets. He had five acre home, grandchildren, all of that. You know what I mean? Living the life and on the streets in his seventies. You know what I mean? So it's, I've seen so, I've heard so many stories, so many stories. And, and one, like her car got stolen or someone lost a job or they got evicted or, you know, Every there's so many different reasons why people be, can become unsheltered and unsheltered doesn't even mean you're sleeping on the streets or a shelter. You know, you can be doubling up and sleeping on someone's couch. That's considered, you know, homeless in a sense. You know, so if you don't have a lease, if you don't have an address, you're not a part of society. And, you know, it's funny that you said that because it wasn't until years ago when I had a relative that was staying at my house and they was on the phone and I heard them say to the individuals that they was talking to that they was homeless. So when they got off the phone, I'm telling them, what you mean you homeless? You know, you on the couch, you know, as long as you here, you know, as long as you want, you know, you got a place to stay. And he was like, Raheem, this is not my house. Right. You know, until I got my keys to my own house, I'm homeless. And I, I never really thought of it like that, you know, because I'm like, you family, you ain't got to go nowhere. Mm -hmm. So I think um, a lot of people got to um, start understanding the, the misconception. And I remember reading an article about YouTuber, I'm not YouTubers, Uber and Lyft drivers. And they was talking about this place in L.A., where all of them con converge and they sleep in their car. Wow. And they, they were talking about when you take into the factor of people that's paying car notes, you're paying for gas, you're paying for repairs, you, it, it, and, and what you make doesn't add up to even have affordable housing. So, you know, they live their life, they work and they make money, but it's, it's never enough to live. A, a decent uh, a life so they all sleep in their car and it's tens of thousands of them so i'm like wow you know people gotta realize that so well, well listen the minimum wage in georgia is a little over five dollars yes people don't really get that but seven. people can actually say i'm going to give you minimum wage you know so how can someone live people have to have three to four jobs to make ends meet just to pay for housing here. That's not including your utilities and everything else that comes along with it. That's just housing for 30 days. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Now, there's something else that you're doing that's phenomenal. And I think everybody should get behind this. And I know um, my Necessary Blackness uh, podcast family know 
and I always say this, that land is the basis of freedom. Now right. you have a, a land fund that goes towards uh, development and building sustainable communities. I want you to talk to us about that. Yes. So let's let's go back a little bit and talk about the reason why I created this is okay. first to bring awareness because people have to know what they're looking at and what's going on. You know, break down the stereotypes, break down the illusions. This is reality, right? And then after that, then it's going to spark change. I want to help. I want to do something. What can I do? So what I, my ultimate goal and our ultimate goal, my team, is to obtain land. We want to have land so we can have that foundation for other people and other resources to come in and provide the services that need they need to. So what does that look like? That can look like an acre, five acres, 10 acres, 50 acres. It doesn't matter. What we want to do is put like sustainable, affordable, alternative <laughs> housing on the land, which can be tiny homes, container homes, steel homes, and container homes and steel homes can withstand category five hurricanes. So they're very sustainable, you know, and then we want to have the wraparound services there, all of that, and plus organic farming, because I'm a farmer and I want people to understand what that means from food to table and how that changed mind, body and spirit. And then we're going to create entrepreneurs. So you don't have to worry about getting a job. You can become an entrepreneur through agriculture. And it's very, very, very wealthy business that you can pass on generationally as well. So a lot of the people that I know that are boots on the ground or have nonprofits, they are begging at the table of the corporations to be included. Let's collaborate and put our services together, but no one's contacting them. So I want to be able to say, we have land for you and you can put all of your services there from mental health to wellness, to nutrition, whatever, to job placements, to skill sets, all of that. And the model has been done in other states. It's been done. It's just let, let us bring it here and start in the South. I want to start South Carolina first, Georgia and wherever else. So that's the goal. So we need the donations. We need the people. We need... The positive mindsets, all the good energy and how we can do this. Who has resources? Who has like, you know, building materials? Let's build. Let's do what we need to do. And let's get this funding and make the change we want to see. For those that want to um, donate or find out more about the, um, the No Address Land Fund, where can they go to? Yes, they can go to noaddressdocumentary.com. You can, all the resources are on there. So you can watch a documentary. You can choose a theater and support the theaters. And what's so beautiful about these virtual theaters is that they are donating part of their proceeds because we're doing a 50-50 split. So they're donating part of their proceeds to advocacy groups and nonprofits that deal with the unsheltered. So that just melted my heart. Like we're reaching other people. They're doing their part. Like each one, reach one, teach one, right? And then- so when the virtual theaters are over, it's still going to be housed on the website. So you can always watch it and make it an educational tool for people. Now let's about then the you can donate as well on the website as well. Let's talk about the virtual theater because you're doing some big things. Like, I, I'm, I'm like, wow, I wish this was happening when I had my documentary out. Like, right? there's so many different cities that you're in and... Um, 
You already nominated for a film award, and you just had a, a big one. What was it on Friday? Ooh, no. <laughs> no, well, we had we had a release on Friday. Yes, in, in South Carolina. Yes, okay. not, not a film award, not yet. No, but didn't you didn't you um receive a film award? No, you haven't received a film award. But you know what? Festival, but not a, a festival. A festival because um I want people to know this is yes. this is not her uh first ride around the rodeo. Um, the hard pass, uh, she did that and through her eyes, which won various awards in the film festival market. That's coming out this year. Yes. That's I was talking about, I knew I knew I was, what I was okay. talking yes. about, but yes. the, um, the first filming, right? Mm -hmm. What are some of the upcoming cities and, um, like places people can actually go and watch this? Okay. So the virtual virtual cinemas, after no address released in Columbia, South Carolina, I was ready to hit the road because people were talking like every politician needs to be here and watch this, right? Mm -hmm. So people were calling me, come to my city, come to my city. Then COVID hit. I mean, we literally were one of the last before the theater shut down. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what am I gonna do? So I wanted to figure out how I can house it on my site. So I found this awesome platform to do it. And then I'm on this call with um, some collectives that are in the film industry in Columbia. And um, Thaddeus, my colleague, he works at the Nickelodeon Theater. He was like, well, we're doing virtual cinema since our theater is shut down. And I was like, mm. what is that, you know? And then when he told me that, he said, yes, you're local. We would love to have you. It's about <laughs> Columbia, South Carolina. So this is perfect. And so when he said that, that just sparked my brain. Who else is doing this? So I just started researching. And then I just started asking and sending my trailer to so many places. And a few of them were like, yes, we want to have you for a month. We're going to debut you for a month. So they're doing the marketing. They're doing all of that for it. So it's just... Wow. A win on this part. So I'm in six cinemas right now, and it's I'm in Maine, Oregon, New York, Pennsylvania, New Mexico, and Friday we're going to release in North Carolina Sunrise Theater. So it's all on the website, so you can click on whichever one you want and support the local arts and support their advocacy groups in their city. And, and one thing, family, it's a virtual theater, right? Yes. So you don't have to be in that uh, geographical location to watch it. You just yes. click on it and you watch it. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I want people to know that. Yeah, it's all from your home. Just like you watch Netflix and everything else, it's the same way you can watch from your computer or you can mirror it to your TV and watch it on the big screen. So. That's right. That's right. You know, a lot of people, I was speaking with someone today and they really don't understand this computer thing. And I'm like, come on, you got an Instagram account, you got a Facebook account and you know, but. But that's the way we're headed, you know? And I mean, I'm thankful that there is a, a way and an outlet because people are hungry for different type of media. And this gives a great platform for the indie level. So you don't have to beg at the table. You already have your platform. Create your content 
and get your residuals and put all the eyes you want on it. So now I can reach more people virtually than I could just being in a theater. You know, the experience is always better being in theater, of course, but you know, what I'm doing, it's more about eyes and in reaching the map. So we definitely need them eyeballs on this documentary. No address. Make sure you go to that website and you support the system. Now, I, I want to read a quote, right? And this quote is from um, Bernard Shaw. And he said, the greatest of evil and the worst of crime is poverty. Mm. The greatest of evil and the worst of crime is poverty, right? And a lot of those things that factor into one dealing with poverty, it goes back to systematic racism, right? How much of that plays a part in, in being unsheltered? Oh, absolutely. Like 40%. Mm. 40% of the population is like the least of the population, but the most in this particular category is melanated people. But you know what's happening now? I was just reading about, um, you know, the, C the CDC, they had the uh, deadline that's getting ready to come up, right? For the evictions. Mm -hmm. They said, I think up to 20 million people 40. That, 40? That 40 million people that wasn't previously unsheltered or what they want to call homeless is about to be homeless. Mm -hmm. So it's really getting ready to get rough out here. Yes. And I mean, and see, these evictions have already been in place, mm -hmm. right? So if you didn't pay your rent back in March of last year or April of last year when the moratorium started, then you owe all that back. But the eviction, yeah, you, you owe all that back. And people don't realize that that's not just a freeze or a clean slate, which we should do. That is a solution. <laughs> like on across the board, just wipe it all out, right? Even to the bank, just wipe it all out. <laughs> but that's too easy. <laughs> so anyway, um, they have to pay all that back. And then, I lost my train of thought. Let me see. <laughs> Yes, yes. They have to pay all that back. And then if they were evicted from April of last year, April of this year is when they're going to start the court cases. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you know, something else, right? What people are not going to realize, you know, because things happen and, you know, your situation may change because we're in an ever evolving universe. Right. Mm hmm. Say if you do get a job and you're no longer and, and you're ready to um, get an apartment, it's going to be harder for you because now you have that eviction on your credit report. So it's going to be it's, it's going to get real bad. That's why we need to create <laughs> alternative housing, alternative affordable housing. That's the only way we got to not think about having all this stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. and be at peace with ourselves and community with other humans and being able to go back to that. If you have something I can borrow it and I share and we can do, be humans again. You know what I mean? Because we don't right. need all of that stuff. We just need shelter, food, clothing, basically. Food, clothing, shelter. And <laughs> I've seen some of those uh, 
container houses and them tiny houses. And they're not bad. Oh, they're you, nice. You can make they, them as luxurious as you want. Yeah, yeah, not bad. You can definitely hook it up and it's sustainable. Um, I know an individual that has a hemp farm. And, you know, when he broke down the science behind hemp and how not only can you build your house made of hemp, you also can feed yourself from hemp. Hemp can also be used as a, a medicine. So here it is, something that you can feed yourself, you can clothe yourself, and you can use it as a medicine. What else more do you need? Right. Right. And one of my um, friends, colleagues, shout out to Brian in, in Florence, South Carolina. He has already started the foundation and framing of their tiny home villages there. So mm. I commend him on what he's doing and he's going to help guide me on this model as well. So, I mean, it can be done. We just got to work through that red tape and some of that zoning or whatever. But when you own the land, listen. <laughs> so that that's that's what we're gonna do. That's that's what that's where it's at, man. And I commend you, sister, for doing what you're doing. You are definitely a service to our people, and we need more individuals like you to step up. And I know there's a lot of people that maybe feel like they don't have the skill sets to be in a leadership position or to take charge, and that's okay. There's other things that you can do to help. You can um, donate. You can share this podcast. You can discuss this with your families and friends and enlighten them to the stigma that's placed on those that are unsheltered. So in saying that, sister, is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you that you want to say in your last closing words before you give out your uh, social media? Well, I just want to say if people just want to help, because a lot of people don't know what to do, and now it's getting hot, so have water. I wouldn't recommend leaving it in your car because of the heat and plastic, and uh, unless you have BPA-free bottles. <laughs> I'm just like that person. So, um, so having that and having hygiene kits and a snack, all of those things, socks, just anything like when you see, because people are everywhere. People are everywhere you go, any corner, any block. So instead of being, oh, I don't want to see them or I'm rolling my window up or whatever, have something in your car we can give. You don't always have to give monetary. You know, a lot of people don't want to give money. So just those things means a lot to an unsheltered person. And even just saying hi and acknowledging them, because that is one thing. Because I put a lot of call to actions in this documentary. So a lot of people are saying, when I'm at the bottom, just acknowledge me, you know, when people turn around and do crazy things or try to avoid another human, it's just inhumane, like you said. So some people don't want anything from you. They just, hi, that's it, and keep it moving. And then that just can just, just elevate somebody and just change their whole energy on the inside just by having that smile, you know, so... Yeah. And that's what I say. It's just the little things, you know, don't be in fear of other humans that are just less fortunate than you. That's right. Cause today is them. Tomorrow is you. We living in a society where things turn around very quickly. Yeah, it does. So you got to show people respect. Um, there's numerous stories out there where individual was a janitor and now he's the principal of the school. 
or someone that worked in a lowly position in a corporate company and worked his way all the way up to CEO. So there's a reality, you know? Everybody ain't stop, start at the top and everybody ain't gonna remain on the top. So you have to show compassion to those that are less fortunate. And I try to do my part. And, and, and you know what? If everyone just did a little, little bit, we'll be in so much a better position than we are now. You know, nobody asking you to carry the burden, you know, but just if you did something once a week, once a month, it everything makes a difference. So I just want to say that to the family. So give them your social media. Social media, Instagram is no address doc. Facebook is no address docu-series. And YouTube is No Address Podcast. So you can check out our podcast too. Yeah, tell us about your podcast. Yes, I have like 15 episodes. I'm so busy. I'm a little busy. But <laughs> I, I try to keep it up to date, up to date. But yeah, the podcast started in the extension to the documentary. So the things that I could not capture or I wanted out immediately, I created the podcast. So it's a lot. We talk from the prison pipeline to the criminalization, homelessness, and how that is correlated. Then we talk about grassroots versus um, corporations. Mm. Then we talk about um, gentrification and housing. Like there's so many topics on there. So I, I suggest you check it out on YouTube or our website as well. No address documentary.com. Yeah, I definitely got I got to go back um, and check out some of them archives uh, because that one that you said about uh, corporate, what you said about corporate activism or something? Uh, the pipelines at the prison? No, 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 you said something about corporate. Oh, grassroots organizations versus corporate organizations. Yeah, grassroots. Grassroots organization versus corporate organization. You know, some people are under the uh, misnomer that uh, corporate sponsorship is going to lead us to our liberation and freedom. Never have, never will be. You have to follow the money. Yeah. And those who control the money purse controls the leadership and the movement. Exactly. Got to make a distinction. But listen, I definitely enjoyed this podcast. Likewise. Um, we got to do this again. And... Yeah. um. Everybody. When Atlanta drops, we'll do it again. Huh? When Atlanta, when Atlanta drops, we'll do it again. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I travel too. So, um, you know, I'll come up to South Carolina when y'all do something up there as well. Okay. Sounds good. So, peace and blessings back, family. This is it for me, Raheem Shabazz. And make sure you check out my guests and check out her documentary. And um, we're going to drop some chains on you too. We're gonna we're gonna make a a, a a slight donation on behalf of, of the necessary blackness podcast family. Like, look, listen, I ain't telling nobody to do anything that I won't do. So I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is. Mm -hmm. All right. Please, I appreciate you can expect that. that today sometime. Salute. We out of here, family. Peace and love, everyone. <laughs>